The cathedral was quiet now. Mother Charlure's joints announced her age with every movement. Everyone had agreed to a few hours of rest. One more time to sleep. A quick prayer banished thoughts of failure. The next few hours would be a nightmare, but they would succeed. Her cubs would survive. Annabella's hand movements were imperceptible to most. Four members of the Sapphire Rose, even from across the room, they were as conspicuous as a giant scream. Charlure's life began in the slums of Kalandor. The locals called it the Bog, a polite euphemism. Charlure's size and willingness to fight got the attention of a few interested parties. She was trained in the subtle arts of manipulation and information gathering. By the age of 12, she was planted in the church's school at Kringle Falls as an orphan in need of tutoring. How she got there was irrelevant to her. Charlure did not take her vows in vain, first as an acolyte, then as a cleric. Theos was her god, and St. Allegis was her patron. Number one and number two in her life, she was devoted. But a very close number three was the network which saved her life first. Mother Charlure made her way across the room. She offered comforting nods and smiles while her own hands danced in response to Annabella's. The dwarf woman's newest product was invaluable to Charlure. And while it seemed that Annabella dealt in agriculture, Annabella dealt in orphans. Refugee orphans were secretly caravaned from the Crucian Empire across the entirety of Thaomer. The Empire was not fond of its people leaving, and its influence could reach across the mountains, even if its army could not. There was a terrible time when Imperial orphans were placed publicly. However, they all seemed to die of sickness. There was speculation that all from the Empire were a diseased people. Many in Thalmer, the Red Hand being the loudest, demanded that the diseased hordes never be given shelter. Even when Prophet Ashan was found, hung, with a note of confession and a bottle of poison within his possessions, those who followed the Red Hand did not care. Ashan was one of theirs, after all, and they were righteous, so this had to be a great deception. The next wave of refugee children were attacked and killed on the side of the road. There were weapons from Solgreen, the southern kingdom, found among the corpses of the church guards. Few outside of Red Hand converts believed this to be an invasion by Solgreen. The Red Hand leaders knew it wasn't true, but the tracks were well covered. From then on, Mother Charlure used her influence with the church to get gold for this underground caravan. The Sapphire Rose made other arrangements with guilds, farmers, and anyone who could pay. The church had deep pockets, and Mother Charlure used that money to place as many orphans as possible. She would try and find homes in St. Elegis orphanages, but if not, she would find a suitable artisan or craftsman for the child to apprentice with. It required some charitable donations that Mother Charlure orchestrated. The Sapphire Rose got paid, the church had a future, and these poor children from war-torn lands had homes. I'm going for them, Annabella said. Who? In her exhaustion, Mother Charlure thought of Baldo. Dunsmere? The name stopped her. What? Anger boiled up in her. Dunsmere is dead. A deep breath. She was exhausted. This was not how she should respond. Annabella's stare chilled Martha Charlure. The dwarf was dressed all in black, an outfit from the days before settling in Tuck's Edge. 
Mother Charlotte did not approve of Annabella's darker work for the Sapphire Rose, but the woman deserved respect. He's dead, Mother Charlotte repeated. Annabella laughed and shook her head, as if Mother Charlotte just declared the moon an illusion. He had traveled with the boy, but not as much as Baldo did. He always said that his brother was the luckiest bastard ever. She paused to stare at something not there. I think Baldo would go after him. That's idiotic. Annabella smiled. I've spent years behind enemy lines. Annabella spent over a decade in Crocs, disrupting roads, destroying caravan lines, and murdering those the Sapphire Rose contracted for death. That doesn't change the fact that this is idiotic. Annabella took a swig from her flask. Let me ask you, honestly, do you see us living through this? Yes, Mother Charlure lied. Annabella frowned. She nodded her head, disappointment clear on her face. Mother Charlure wanted to meet this woman honestly, but in her position, if someone around her were to overhear that the Mother Superior of Tuck's Edge assumed that they would all meet certain death, then what hope did they have? It would cause panic. I'll see you on the green path then, Annabella said. Mother Charlure nodded. Annabella picked up a pair of black gloves. Mother Charlure reached to hug her. They were never really friends. Friendly acquaintances at best. In this moment, in this place. That was as close as Mother Charlure felt to anyone. Annabella stiffened, then reciprocated. They held each other. Both imagining a different partner in their arms. Almost as soon as they separated, Annabella was gone. Another goodbye. It would not be the last of the day. Valiant's gone, Alice said to Mother Charlure. The priestess smiled down at the small child. He is. They are together by the falls. They are forging a new life with St. Allegius. We shall see them soon, Alice said. Don't, Mother Charlure said. We have a solution to this. You think it'll work? Kirkin asked. Of course it will work, Artis said. We have their all-powerful god on our side now. The druid smiled as she bit into a berry. From what Mother Charlure could tell, the druids seemed to live off the fruit. It was rare to see them with a slab of meat or a fish or even a loaf of bread. Theos will protect us, Mother Charlure said. Arda nodded. Now was not the time for jabs. Are we ready then? No one said yes to the druid princess, but everyone stood. We are coming too, Alice said, framed by Carling Bear and Kirkin. We've proven we can help, Kirkin said. You certainly have, children. You have all done so much more than has been asked of you, Mother Charlure said. You're small. You'll die easier. Children, Tapper said as they made their way to the front of the cathedral. If anything happens, and it should not mind you, but it may. In such an instance, this is crucial now, so pay attention. Remember to keep your wits about you. An emotional mind, it's seductive in those moments, believe me. But fight it. Look for a different solution. Life normally gives us more than one. Tapper was consumed by a wave of children's hugs. 
As they parted, the caravaner's face was an awkward blend of discomfort and exuberance. Clouds hung low and fat with sleet. Every square inch of the town stunk of the demon army's fire. The Red Hand's meeting house was white. A large porch held two wooden rockers and a plain white bench. A flag hung above the double doors, the red of their emblem a stark contrast to the white background. What brings you here, witch? A young half-elf came from inside. He wore the red of all those who were true heretics, the ministers of the Red Hand. Those who blasphemed Theos rarely decorated their armor with gold as the soldier did. They preferred the affect of being farmers, lowly merchants, and peasants. Gold doesn't do that. Still, to Mother Charlour, he appeared to be a scarred young man. A young man who stared at her with the eyes of an older man. Ancient eyes juxtaposed to his youthful skin like some perverse deformity. Was he possessed? Regardless, she reminded herself, behind that thousand-yard stare was a creature created by Theos who had a soul. Tapper was distracted by something from the alley between the Red Hand's church and Timber Sullivan's house. Where is your master, dog? Arda asked. Those dead eyes turned to Arda. Don't antagonize me, Arda. His voice was heavy with magical power. You pig! Arda started. What my friend meant was we are here to see Brother Tobias. Those eyes turned to her. Mother Charlure felt a shiver up her spine. There was something about them. They were the eyes of someone else. They, they did not belong to this body. Irises were faded. Vestiges of their once brilliant blue speckled throughout the gray. For Mother Charlure, fear was a constant companion, a hum. When this soldier looked at her, she felt him look beyond her soul. It was like he was seeing beyond her flesh and into her true self. Her body began to shake with fear. Mother Charlour chanted a quick blessing for herself and her companions. The resilience of St. Elegis' arms and Theos' love would help them not fall prey to tainted spells of this demonic young half-elf. Ah, a voice from inside the meeting house. I see you've met the Risen One. Emerging from the darkened doorway smiled Tobias. The candlelight glared off his bald head like false eyes of a snake. My dear people, it's joyous you've arrived. You are the first heretics to meet the chosen avatar of Theos. Alal, the risen one. Mother Charlotte heard of this man. No clergy had raised him from the dead. This Alal battled a demon in the town of Paragon. Travelers brought word of him as though he were Theos himself. It is an honor to meet you, Alal, Risen One, or whatever title you prefer, of course, Tapper began. That being said, now, mind you, I'm no holy man, nor do I claim to be one, and as such, I don't know your ways rightly, but may I ask how, and this is not a challenge, but how did you arrive in this town, which is guarded by a dragon and an army of demons? Don't play coy, Tobias said. I don't imagine you came here to join our worship. I assume you want the stone, or to use the stone. Adenia stones are not to be trifled with, Arda said. Not for mortals like yourself. 
but from the avatar of Theos, all is possible, Elal said. You cannot trust what comes from them, Arda said, speaking past Elal, pleading with Tobias. They are from the first shards of evil at the beginning of time. Only the spirit of the world, Shamhara, knows the path, and she shows only those connected with her. Devils walk the path, and they fool mortals. Elal took two steps toward them. Each stride seemed to add an inch of height. Elal's face was an alabaster mask, reflecting the torch flames. Mother Charlure's breath caught. Foreign eyes stared from a body not their own. A perverse delight danced through those gray orbs. She'd seen that dance in the eyes of large children tormenting smaller ones for their own joy. Those were unfortunate children, and most could be guided out of that phase of life. But for those who couldn't, when they grew, that deadly dance became more raucous. Most adults hid it better than the children, but upon release, their delight at pain was a violent, erratic affair, a waltz bursting with the rage and lust of youth. What Mother Charlure saw in Elal's eyes was beyond that. Less erratic, more disciplined. A ballet of torture danced to a symphony of perverse glee, a show practiced and perfected over many mortal lifetimes. Whatever you are, you are not this Elal person, and you are not the Avatar of Theos, Mother Charlure said. What would his reaction be? Could she taunt this creature? keep it distracted for long enough for Tapper to move around back? An aura glowed around Alal. A fire of radiance came from his eyes. The fear she felt was unlike anything ever before. Even when meeting the Grand Abbot himself, her stomach didn't drop like it did in the presence of this whatever he was. Illusions, more than likely, Mother Charlure assured herself. Illusions had to be the answer, because if what Artis said was true, then they were in much bigger trouble than she had imagined. That meant the children were also in danger. Brother Francis and Sister Claire, along with two druid soldiers watching over them, Francis and Claire were like Charlore's right and left hand in everyday life. In combat, she did not know how they would compose themselves, though. Distracting a law was more important than ever. What do you think I am, half-breed mutt? The words were shocking, alien, yet stung. Half-breed mutt was an ancient phrase before the Theos Revolution, a dark time when the different races were segregated, believed to have essential qualities of good and evil. The phrase was so antithetical to the ideas of the Church of Theos, it was almost on par with heresy. Mother Charlure thought quickly. Shock and rage tried to unleash themselves. A deep breath tightened their bonds. Alal. We desire no more blood and no more conflict. We may have our disagreements in theology, but there is almost certain death if we remain. Unless you believe that Theos wishes death for his followers. Alal and Tobias laughed. You are not followers of Theos, Alal said. For the past thousand years, this so-called church has made a mockery of the true god Theos. He no longer has the stomach for this heresy. The Red Hand are reviving the true religion, which the Church has killed. The White Hand of Theos becomes red with the blood of the unjust. The quote was from the Decalogos, the ten books written by the saints of Theos. 
the founding documents of each order and accounts of their encounters with Theos. The diverse orders represented the diverse way all groups see their god. It was why the revolution was so effective. All races' concerns were addressed. St. Miriam was a wise woman, Mother Charlure said. But justice is one area that not all followers of Theos agree on. For instance, my, Are you giving me a lesson in holy orders? Do you not understand that orders are the heresy? There is one God, and I am his justice personified. I think what Mother Charlore is trying to say, mind you, I am not she, but I believe she was trying to find some uh, common ground. Your, your great avatar, Lord Sir Highness, he is correct, Alal, and I apologize for getting off topic. We both do share a god, of course, though our methods are different. It churned her stomach, but it was the literal truth. None of us want to be converted to the hordes of a demon king. At this, the cold splash of sobriety came over the red hands' faces. In Alal's eyes, the dance macabre stopped. Good. Whatever this creature was, it felt fear. It was scared of Marat Hull's horde, which also meant it was not in league with them. I assume you do not possess the ability to use the stone again, O oh great risen one, Arda said, her words heavy with salt. She must have seen the same thing Mother Charlure had. Or, more impressively, she just didn't care. Mother Charlure thought the creature behind the Alal mask would burst through the flesh. She smiled. His rage warmed her belly with satisfaction. This creature could die, and it feared something on this plane of existence. It could be negotiated with. And if that failed, Mother Charlure had Tapper. Your assumption is incorrect, Tobias lied. Then why, and I, I do think this is what we're all thinking, are you still here? Tapper asked. No one said anything for a moment. Mother Charlure enjoyed the rage-filled silence blaring from the red hand in front of her. In the end, they were evil, not stupid. They showed her favor. The screams of some unfortunate soul outside the walls of Tuck's Edge overpowered the rumbling storm. So, you can open the walkway. Enough for us all to go through, is that it? Tobias finally said. We can, Arda challenged. We should talk, Alal conceded. No one noticed as Tapper became one with the shadows. everyone thanks for listening to what happened at tux edge part seven part two hope you guys enjoyed all of that i uh, know i'm having fun with this we should be wrapping this up we've got uh, two more parts to go how many episodes that'll be i'm not sure um but we'll have those out here very very shortly for everyone who's interested what happened at tux edge is written and performed by alexander floyd dunsmere created by benjamin floyd Music from filmmusic.io. Tranquil Fields Tense by Alexander Nakarada. Unrelenting. And our story begins by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. License under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 licenses. Creative Commons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0.